So last week we talked about our New Year's plans and our, our trip to New York and a lot of the fun that we had, obviously talked about our resolutions and everything else, but something we didn't tell, which is just such a good story, is something that happened before we even left Canton, Ohio, um, or it's attempting to leave Canton, Ohio, um, on the plane itself, and... We're going to tell the story together. Yeah. Um, because it's like it's something that you can't make. Like I couldn't have ever dreamed to make up this story. No, and I'll never forget it either. <laughs> so we were sitting in I think row eleven of a small like seven thirty seven or seven twenty seven or some Air yeah. Canada thing. Two rows on one side, one, one row on the, on the other. other. Yeah, like the flight from Akron Canton to Newark, New Jersey. It's a small plane. And it's dark, you know. Fifty five minute flight, yeah, right? Short flight, a little less than an hour. Um, it's dark. We're taking off at like seven o'clock, but you know, Chelsea and I have our books. We're ready to, ready to read about marketing and be, and be good, uh, marketers even on vacation. Um, but there's like just weird stuff, um, happening the whole time. And this lady in front of us, like I'm already anxious on planes. I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast, but it's definitely a situation where I, I don't, I want to get off that plane. Yeah. Once you're I'm on, on and you are on high <laughs> alert. Like yeah. I could tell. Yeah, I was, like, definitely analyzing everybody on the plane, like, whether or not they have killed someone in their life, and, like... I typically feel there was a pilot um, that was, like, whatever it's called, one pilot just, like, hop on a plane to wherever they need to go to a destination. Right. Um, And he was diagonally behind me, so I typically, I really like when I see that person on a plane, because I look at for the reactions, and if they tend to not seem concerned... I then feel like I can be less concerned about what's going on. (laughs) Because they're the expert. But yeah, Yeah. so there was this lady in front of us who like the whole time was acting funny, like directly around in front of us. She was in a window. before we took off. Yeah, yeah. Before we even take off, she's in a window seat. There's other ladies in the aisle seat. And she's on her phone and she keeps looking back to the back of the plane. I'm like, what is going on? Um, And so she, like as we're taxiing to the runway, she like moves the lady out of the way and runs to the back of the plane and so i'm like what the fuck's going on like this is like the lights are off like we're next in line to take off yeah like i'm freaking out a little bit because i don't know what she's doing back there and like and we're like okay maybe she had because she was on the phone maybe she had a friend back there and they had an open seat so she went back to sit by them but no we look up and we see like the the light that tells you whether someone's in the bathroom or not it says the bathroom's occupied we're like oh shit like i think she's in the bathroom like and that's scary when you're not supposed to be in the bathroom. And so she comes back up, like, as the plane's gearing yeah. up to take off. And, and she was, like, sauntering. Out, but she like, was, like, sauntering up. Like, it was no big deal. Right. Like, she was just, like, casually walking to her seat, even though all the lights were off. Like, everyone was in prime position. The plane is moving. It's it's gaining speed at this point. Right. And she's just so casually walking back to her seat. Like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the flight attendant told her, you need to sit down. You need to put your seatbelt on. We're about to take off. So we get in the air. And we can't be more than, like, 100 feet off the ground. And this lady just leans into the aisle. Like, so the, the lady in the aisle seat with her had moved up to the next row because I think she sensed something was wrong. This lady leans into the aisle and just pukes everywhere into the aisle. And it smelled just reeked of wine. <laughs> it was just uh, all the contents of wine that yeah. she'd consumed at the airport. Yeah, she must have, have worse flight anxiety than me or is an alcoholic because yes. <laughs> she... Like, there was so much wine. But that immediately, like, it, it was gross and horrifying, but it immediately made me feel better because I was like, okay, she didn't put a bomb in the bathroom or, like, something. <laughs> like, you know, like, I didn't know what was going on. Oh, and, I know, like, I know. <laughs> and so that made me feel a little bit better. And at the same time, Chelsea and I immediately, like, grab our book bags from underneath the, the seat in front of us and put them on our laps. Yeah. And the, I hit the call button immediately. And the, yeah. the person diagonally in front of me... um in front of her, should I say, hit the call like the call button at the same time. Yeah. And the flight attendant, I I we I got that email that that said to like tell us about you from United, like tell us about your experience, like how your flight was. And I really wanted to fill that form out about the flight attendant, just yeah, to be like just she, lady. It was, it was a one flight attendant plane. Yeah, too, she so. deserves a medal. She deserves an award, a raise, a bonus of sorts to have to deal with this nonsense. Yeah, it was because she came back, and she was like. Asked the lady, she's like, you know, are you sick? How do you, like, what's wrong? Like, she gave her a bag. Yeah. Like, she was, she got some paper towels, was like, this is all while we're trying to take off. Like, the so plane we're like, is, like, we're gaining air, altitude. But it's, like, gaining altitude fast. <laughs> like, that's when everyone, you need to be sitting down. Like, it's, there's some G-forces happening. Like, the flight attendant walking back to us was a feat. And 
So immediately, like, this lady, after she pukes, she must have got puke on her shirt because she unzips her puffer vest, takes off her flannel shirt, and is just wearing a bra on the plane while the flight attendant's back there talking to her and then puts the vest over her bra. Yeah, and zips so, it up. She's just wearing this vest-bra combination, yeah. no shirt. She she throws the shirt over towards the window. And, and it, it almost like, came into our row. slings back yeah. into, like, the arm of the shirt is, like coming back like through the the armrest and i'm like move it and connor's like i'm not touching it yeah, i'm not touching gonna, that shirt gonna touch it and so basically the flight continues and she continues to puke like she has a plastic bag that they gave her to puke in she can't she's just way too drunk to figure out she needs yeah, to, she's, she's refusing just, to use it yeah she's just puking in the aisle she's puking on the floor like i felt bad for that plane like it didn't do anything to deserve that like it was like <laughs> it did the, like, my, but the best parts are the vest is definitely a high point in that yeah that she just basically stripped down to her bra on a plane then she comes back and she starts to talk to everyone like to find out like what this lady's story is like does anyone yeah the like, flight attendant yeah the flight, yeah, the flight attendant's asking everyone she's like did you see her at the airport was she with anyone and this guy that was sitting across the aisle from me yeah she was like you know where is she going asking kind of like questions like he should know yeah and he was like i don't know where she's going and, <laughs> and the flight attendant said well she said she was with you and the guy he was like like i definitely can understand where my response of like not being i'm not with her is yeah should be my response whether or not I'm with this person. But, right. like, he, he clearly seemed to have no yeah, connection had, to this woman. Yeah, he had nothing to do with her at <laughs> whatsoever. all. Because he wasn't comforting her, like, nothing. Like, if that was, a, like, if that was you puking, and, like, even if you were making a scene, like, if I was, like... You would have made holding like, the bag, like, yeah, making exactly. sure I was, like, like... If I was, like, your boyfriend or your husband or your girlfriend or what, whoever it is, like, would be there, like, trying to comfort them, unless they wanted break, to break up with them and they just wanted an excuse, which, I don't know, maybe that was the case. But this guy didn't seem to have anything to do with this lady, but she multiple times told the flight attendant that, like, she was with him, and he's just like, no. <laughs> never seen her in my like, life. I've never seen that lady before in my life. <laughs> yeah, so it was a an entire 55-minute flight of this woman retching. Oh, God, And yeah. sound. Like, when I say retching, I mean... Sounds. I've never heard sounds come out of anyone's body like this in my entire yeah, life. I think I likened it to an exorcism. Like yeah, she was like was digging like, deep into the to the, find the, the her the like large intestine, like it was coming out. Like. Yeah, it was so much, and I like I felt bad for her. But we finally like we land, we get off the plane immediately. Like I had to pee, so I was like, you know, Connor was going to wait for his suitcase, and it had been gate checked. So I was like, all right, I'll meet you out in the whatever area. I ran up to the bathroom. Oh, I guess we forgot like a integral part of the story is that like the cops came the cops on came on board yeah. and got this lady off of the plane. Like during the whole like vomiting, like towards the end of the flight, and she was asking the woman like, "Where are you going? Is this like, do you have a connection, or is this your final destination?" Yeah. You know, and she said, like, she asked her how old she was, and she seemed to like kind of be coming to. She was answering the questions yeah. relatively intelligently. Um, but then I saw the flight attendant walk up and make a call. Yeah. So I knew something was about to happen. But yeah, so they started to, to deplane and then they asked everyone to sit down. And clear the aisle. And clear the aisle. And then yeah. the police came on board. And the best is like, she just looks up at these three or two police officers that walk on the plane and she's like, am I in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> and they take her off the plane. There's an ambulance on the runway. So right. they took her to get checked out. So all this is happening. Connor's waiting for his... his suitcase i guess i waited for you for your suitcase because Mm -hmm. then we went up together and i went to the bathroom but as i was walking into the ladies room this woman i recognized because she's wearing like a bright yellow puffer vest yeah and i've seen her um is walking out like in the bathroom like towards me and i just jetted out of there i was like i don't care how bad i have to go to the bathroom i'm like i do not want to be anywhere near this woman yeah and she had changed her shirt and her shoes both of which had a lot of vomit on them from the plane you think she just pitched those shoes? I, sh- I think she did. She yeah, had to. Have. Like, like, like I didn't walk you... into that bathroom yeah, to see like, if they were in the trash can. Yeah, you should. If we should have kept them as souvenirs, <laughs> oh, it was bad. But then but, uh, even but she walked out. Like, yeah, the... she walked out, and we were down at baggage claim getting your luggage, and we saw her just walk out the door. Like she probably got in an Uber or someone picked her up. Like, hey, mom. Yeah, know, nothing ha- happened. Happy New Year. Like, <laughs> I'm back in town. What's up? Like, yeah, or good whatever. To see you. Like, yeah. It's, it was, yeah, it was a whole lot of a lot. And then even beyond that, like, our story continued. Like, we tried to take the air train to the New Jersey Transit and, like, got turned around because someone passed out in the New Jersey Transit Station. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Finally, that. Finally, 
get on the New Jersey Transit after like a bus ride there. And, and forgetting the fact that we landed in the day that that blue light. And that's what I was getting to. Oh, so like, yeah, sorry. If you've, if you've seen the story, it was pretty big news on, I think, the 27th of December. But there was like a crazy blue light over Manhattan. Like people thought aliens were coming in. And it turned out it was like an explosion at a power plant in Astoria, which is where we were heading to. Yeah. <laughs> So it was a lot of things happening that day, but we ended up making it to our destination and had a great trip. So, <laughs> yeah, but it was, it, I was, so on the plane, we were reading, as Connor said earlier, um, reading, um, well, I was attempting to read, I guess I'll yeah, say that. I, I think, think I, I got I to page four. I got like 20 pages in, but <laughs> I, I, I don't four. really recall like what they were. And getting off the plane, there was a gentleman, like he stopped, like to the point that this guy stopped and like tapped me on the arm and he was like, ma'am, I just have to tell you that your reactions to this experience were probably the high point of my flight. <laughs> like every time she moved, anything happened, like your head would just like pop yeah, up. Yeah, because you were on high alert because you didn't want her to stand up yeah, and like, all turn is, around. She was just going to stand up. Her body was just going to like, like a door just like turn swinging to me and just you. like yeah. puke right into my lap. Yeah. That's oh, what I saw. I was God. like, I was ready to stiff arm her yeah, if I had to. Yeah, that's why I told you. I was like, it's a jungle. Like you punch <laughs> that lady in the face. Like if she gets near you, <laughs> you get her the hell away. <laughs> yeah. I did not want anything to do with that, that experience, but yeah, so we attempted to read on the plane. Much more successful reading on the way back. On the way back, yeah. Um, <laughs> so this week, we're going to talk about one of the books. You had already read it and then had given it to me yep. on the plane to read. I think, yeah, I think we've already even talked about it on this on this podcast before. So. Dude, I think we did, because I was as I was writing my notes, I was thinking like that maybe I couldn't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or if you and I just talked about it individually. So Chelsea has a really awesome way to introduce that book. So we'll, we'll throw it over to you, Chelsea, for the, for the intro of this book. Oh, man, there's so much pressure now. <laughs> this is marketing. Anyway, so Chelsea and I are huge fans of Jeopardy, and we read a book called This Is Marketing. For those of you who know the intro to to Jeopardy, they say, this is Jeopardy. And here's your host of Jeopardy, Seth Godin. Yeah, so we read This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. Um, which I think, um, I wouldn't have even known who Seth Godin was, but he's apparently pretty famous in marketing spheres. Yeah. Um, I definitely knew who he was from, like, he's, I feel like he's talked to, spoken at Content Marketing World. Yeah. Or, like, as a, a frequent publisher. Yeah. I think I have, remember, I don't know if you were there, like, a bunch of people from when we worked at TKG went to Content Marketing World, and they brought me back a stack of, like, trading cards, like, marketing speaker trading cards. So there was, like, a Joe Paluzzi card. Okay. I feel like there was a Seth Godin card in that pack. Hmm. Well, I saw him. We should probably not take sips yeah, of drinks at the same, at the same time. I'm like, um, <laughs> so I saw him at that um, conference that I went to in uh, North Carolina, and I thought he was like a pretty good speaker. Like I thought before, I wouldn't like him. I thought he was going to be like a hokey like evangelist or something, like marketing evangelist, which he kind of was. Yeah. Um, but I thought that he had some good, some good advice, some good things to say. So. On Black Friday, I bought his book because everything was on sale, so I bought it on Amazon. Um, and I, I dove in and read that, and then after I read it, um, Chelsea read it too. Um, he was, he's kind of like the way I would describe him as like an inspirational speaker for like marketers and business owners and, and people who are interested in marketing. Yeah. Um, he's, he's kind of like that, like he was, he was an evangelist, an inspirational speaker, which, which is fine. Um, and I think... You know, just a high level takeaway of the book. It was full of a lot of it was full of a lot of like aspirational talk and like like you said, metaphor. Yeah, I love so I love anecdotes. I love anecdotes. I love personal anecdotes. Like yeah. there, are, there were a couple notes of yeah. like really great stories that were told. He's obviously he's a storyteller. He's written a lot of books, tons of books. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of metaphor. I don't do metaphor. I think, like, what we're trying to say is that we didn't love this book as much as we maybe wanted to, um, but, uh, but there was still a lot of good, a lot of good takeaways. There was definitely, like, I have some, like, my, I kind of want to lead with my, what I wrote down, sure, if you're ahead. okay with it. Yeah, so ahead. I say in my intro, I'm going to read it verbatim, um, turn directly to page 257 um, and review what is listed as the simple marketing worksheet. Read that. Keep it in mind when you read the book. I actually recommended either 
uh, making a copy of it and <laughs> using it as a bookmark or ripping it out of the book and using oh, the it last as a, page. yeah <laughs> and using it as a bookmark and like take notes on each of those like bullet points that are in as part of that worksheet um, and kind of use that as a as a guideline or as a baseline as you're reading that book because for me I have a really hard time like I said I don't do metaphor well and um as we've probably discussed on the podcast before, I have um, ADHD and a lot of times during my reading of this book, I was not taking meds. So I had an even harder time with metaphor <laughs> <laughs> because there's like a, a bit of focus and thought that needs to come with metaphor. So um, I recommend like being able to kind of take back and go back to that checklist it is a good yeah because then you can fill in each category with notes yeah from so the like book. yeah and if you if you pick like those little bits and pieces like i said like i wish i'd had like post-it notes or like a highlighter or something that i would have been in like as i was reading it like that i wanted to go back through and like because there were some really good takeaways and some fine points and some key points that i liked and as i read them it was like I'm never going to remember that, like, if I was the type of person that, like, would think about putting a note on my phone that says, like, go back to page 102, and you really like that thing. I just, I don't have that kind of foresight. I know. Well, and and when I'm reading, too, I'm like, oh, I like that. But I'm I'm in the midst of reading, so for me to do that requires me to step back from my book, pull out my phone. You know, like, when you're in that zone, you're just And I'm the type of reader that reads and ingests at that moment, and then probably two to three weeks following will have no recollection. I was actually like, we started using, I I've had Goodreads, the Goodreads app on my phone for quite some time. Yeah. And I recommended you to use it because you were trying to like, starting to kind of cultivate this mass of books. And we talked about like how reading is something that you want to do more of in 2019. Yep. Um, but I was actually going through my Goodreads today after I finished this book and like you can go on like your shelved books of books you've read and I looked at this one and I saw like the book was called Orphan Train and I was like man I think I read that and like I got to the point that actually like you were able to open and read a sim- like a like a section certain a percentage. percentage of it and I was like yeah. reading through I'm like man this sounds really familiar I think I did read this book but I <laughs> honestly cannot remember if I read this book and I'm wondering if like I think I remember checking out of the library if I can go back to like my library account and see, and see if, it if was I there. really read that book because like the my my retention in reading a book like that unless I'm taking notes and like really actively like or like resonates with me or it's just a great bit book like The Fingersmith yeah. is a work of fiction I love it it's my favorite book I would probably read it 800 times if I could um, it's could. or Harry Potter <laughs> like a yeah. Harry Potter book I mean there's just maybe because there's movies that go along with it and I've got like the story plus the visual cues plus a lot of different things that help me remember it. But yeah, so like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just wish so I'd, you... I'd wish I'd written more down. If I was giving somebody advice who maybe is not like the best at re- retention is to go into this book as if maybe you're reading like a textbook. If you want to have takeaways and feel like. Yeah. And I think I, I'm someone who retains a lot, but even still there's a lot of information it's more like if I read a blog post about like one marketing thing, I can retain it pretty well. Yeah. But when I'm reading a whole novel, like sure, there's stuff that sticks out to me and there's stuff that I still, I was like, I want to talk about this today and we'll get to it. But yeah, as, as I was like sitting next to you and kind of peeking over your shoulder when you were reading and I'm like, what section she has? Like, oh yeah, I think I remember that. You know, so I mean, there's like a novel's just different because there's a lot of information to consume. You're doing it over a longer span of time. So yeah, I would definitely encourage taking notes as well Um, because you don't have that benefit of when you're in college or high school or something and you read a book and then you come in the next day and the teacher like you spend 45 minutes discussing it in class and then it kind of helps you jog your memory and get you thinking about it like nowadays nobody's coming to me and saying like okay let's discuss chapter four of this is marketing and like what did you think about this and I'm like oh yeah let me form my thoughts (laughs) yeah um so that's not happening so yeah if you so if you lack a little retention, I want to see what your what's your first point about this book. My first point is that I really love the story in chapter three about Vision Spring. It was uh, selling the eyeglasses in the oh, village yeah. in India, when they went to, yeah, and how they'd gone to this. He was he, somehow like I just I laugh because like as I'm reading this book, it's like he somehow ended up in India with this company called Vision Spring and this guy who's selling reading glasses to the small village in India where. Like, they didn't have reading glasses, yeah. and it was, like, a huge need, but, like, he set up this kiosk, and it was, like, they took an eye test, and then they had, like, a selection of glasses that they could choose from and then buy them, and they were only a dollar or something. Like, they were, 
It wasn't. Yeah, it was obtainable for even like the poorest of people. Like. Yeah, and that like as sitting there, they like were having a hard time. Like pe- like only like a certain percentage of people were buying the glasses. Like even though they took the test, they put on the glasses, they saw the difference, they realized like that they truly needed this, but right. they still didn't make that purchase. Um, when given the choice of of frame style color, like you know the different options, and then. Like he kind of stood back and like thought, like what can I, like what can we do differently? How can we change this so like we can truly get these glasses in these people's hands? Because it, you know, one they thing obviously about, need them. Yeah, right. and ended up like what they did was they did the same thing where they had they gave them the eye test and then they had them put the glasses on and then do the eye test again and then like they took it and then he said, okay, if you'd like to keep these, they're a dollar, like the ones that are on your face. So it was like the trial. Excuse me, like they they. Instead of taking them off, and yeah. Instead of taking them off and picking and whatever, yeah. yeah. They just like they walked away with the pair they were given, and like I forget what percentage like increased in sales it was, but it was ridiculous. And like, yeah, it was like a fifty percent sales increase or like a hundred percent, yeah, or something like that. So, so the takeaway of, of that wasn't necessarily like it was a good story. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, it was like not necessarily relatable, but I just it was that kind of concept of like stepping back. And if you're not selling, if the things that you're doing aren't yeah, working, like, like sometimes you just need to like, head, but then yeah, but if you practice, take a step back right. and kind of review it and like, think about like, what can I, what can I be doing differently to improve this process? Or like, think about your buyer and how they are making their decisions. Then like you might land on something a little bit different yeah. or a different approach. So and the, that, that example is something we do at work all the time, especially right now it's winter and we're out there hustling floor mats. And if someone's kind of on the, on the edge, we'll give you a sample mat. We'll leave it on your floor for a week in your entryway. And then a week later, the salesperson will show back up and be like, so do you want this? And they're like, uh, yeah, because you know, it's been like when you pull it away, you're just envisioning all the snow being tracked in and stuff like that. So it's just the power of like, they're using it it's already on your face or it's already on your floor or whatever and then it's like it's hard to give it up after you've already like seen it in action yeah um so yeah that's that's definitely an effective i think that was a smart move on his part to to kind of change it that way and that was a a fun story that i i that stuck out to me as well so a couple of my takeaways um and i won't run through this whole list just yet but um, we're just so like from a high level, his, his whole thing. And this was a big, big thing that his talk was finding the smallest viable audience yep. and then make something that's just for them. So it was kind of from an entrepreneurial standpoint a little bit. Um, if you already have an established business, it's a little harder to, to retroactively fit yourself into that. But I, he, there was an X and Y axis and it was like, you know, pick two traits of companies in your industry and then figure out, like go to the edge and like find these people who really need this like really specific thing and then make something for them that they'll really love. Um, and I thought that was actually really good advice if you're starting up a business or you're thinking about something to do. And it's, it's not, we need to sell this one thing to everyone. It's, we need to sell this one thing to this really specific group of people and make them fall in love with it and tell them it's not for everyone, but it is for you, you know? And that's when I will say that about this book. If you are just like a a general business minded person, an entrepreneurial entrepreneur, entrepreneur who you, you kind of an idea person who wants to like figure out a way to like better market a product or something that's new to the industry or something that's disruptive. And you've got this idea Reading this book from an application standpoint, I think, would be, would be super genuine. Yeah. And I think this is the thing that we talked about in the podcast last week, or at least offline at the podcast, was that as I was reading that book, I had so many different areas in my life that I could apply it to, like right. 15 clients at work, a nonprofit, the podcast, just right. life in general. Like It was almost just overwhelming for me to, to find that one thing that I wanted to focus on and apply sure. it to. Um, but again, like if, if you're, if you're in that mindset of, Hey, I've got this product idea or this thing that I think could really make a difference. It's a great product reading this book and taking kind of some of the approaches that he recommends, I think think would be super beneficial. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, like I've never thought about even that was the first time I'd heard, you know, find the smallest viable audience, find your niche and, you know, find your niche and, and whatever, it's fine. But he's like, literally, like, find the most unique audience that no one else is selling to, and then go there and, and make something that they love. And then I actually heard that again at the TRSA conference from the speaker there. 
So I kind of got that little um, reinforcement. So, I mean, for instance, if we're thinking about this podcast, say, you know, instead of Chelsea and I being like, we want every single person in marketing to listen to this, maybe we're like, we want college students who want to be marketers to listen to this because, you know, we'll give you some information that'll like maybe expand on what you've learned in class and give you some knowledge going into the real world. Or we want marketers who are like digital marketers or SE, like, so, you know, picking like a very small audience within marketing because trying to market to trying like, to get I don't think to like every... we're not getting like a level executive marketing. Right. Yeah, exactly. People so, listening to this podcast. Or you could, I mean, we could target just C-suite market, like just CMOs or something like that. And just like find that one niche and then do everything for them and make them love you because once you kind of like got galvanized that audience, they're, they're going to tell their friends and you know, it's going to be great for you. And I think that that advice is really good. I'm just trying to think of how to practically like retroactively apply that to a business. that has been like, you know, the one yeah. I work for that's been around for 47 years. Well, that's what <laughs> I, I actually made a comment. Cause the, you know, one of the things they talk about is like finding the neophiliacs, the people who are always like the early adopters, the people who are yeah, finding, yeah, exactly. you know, who are always the first to try something new. And, you know, in that B2B environment, that's which where I was thinking about you and actually wrote my example down. It's like rentware. Mm-hmm. It's like, where where are you supposed to find the, the neophiliacs? Like, what are you introducing to the market in what you're doing? So, like, you know, like, right now you've got RFID. I mean, I know it's not, like, a super new technology. <laughs> like, well, I think from that perspective, it's more of going to places. Like, because, like, you know, we think about restaurants in factories or something like that. But going to, like, the spa that doesn't have any service. And they're like, oh. Yeah, like I could use towels and floor mats and stuff like that. Like I didn't even realize that existed. Sure, I'll give that a shot. Yeah. So that's it. So the people for us, it's the people who are what are called non-programmers. So like you're not selling against their current supplier. You're just like they've never heard of the service before in their life. And they're like, yeah, that might work for me. Yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of where where I was thinking. But then you know, for us, it, we pick like, is it chiropractors' offices? Is it veterinary offices is it gyms is it you know massage therapists you know so stuff like that and then picking that niche where you're not going to have a lot of competition and and whatever so that's kind of where where i started to think um you know just personally is like finding those niche businesses that maybe aren't the big factories or restaurants that's like you know what people think of as our big customers but if we could own every single chiropractor in northeast ohio then we're still doing pretty good (laughs) right so um so yeah, no, that's that was definitely got me thinking um, for sure about our about our business. But it's not it's not easy, you know. There's no early adopters for for floor mats or something right, like that. Right, that's what I mean. It's not like you're not gonna get like the inva- the evangelist who's like, oh my gosh, right? Holy shit! But our service is unique <laughs> in that like it's more than just having a floor mat on your floor. It's like you know it's getting picked up it's being cleaned and if you've never heard of that then it's kind of cool i guess no i'm not (laughs) not knocking like format that people need them like right until like i learned i mean i knew that companies like cintas and university or not really universe but cintas and aramark or whoever Mm. like i knew the service existed i knew that it was a thing but i never really thought deeply about it obviously until rentware became a client more tkg and then like starting to like that's obviously when you onboard a new client and you start thinking about the where you see where them in yeah real life or, yeah exactly yeah and how like you know kind of like lean in on your personal experiences or you know where you think that like you know find the gaps of i, I remember when we were creating those industry surf page and that's when we started talking about like spas and grocery stores and yeah, yeah exactly so and some of the industries that weren't existing like they that weren't already highlighted on the website that mm-hmm. clearly um are would be using the service or would need to use your services. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's, I get it, but yeah, that's, it's like that, that line of thinking is just harder to apply to an established business than it is to like an entrepreneurial business. Like, sure. If I'm starting a business, then I, like you said, I would use that advice and say like, I need to find something and make something that's going to appeal to like a small, small group of people, but they're going to love it. Yeah. And they're going to become evangelists for your product. They're going to tell your friend, their friends, and then it's going to be, you know, hit the middle of the bell curve where it. Yeah. And exactly. And then his whole thing is like, people like us do things like this. And it was, I thought that's a pretty good quote. So you, you know, you find a group of people and you convince them that I'm like you and people like us use this product or they, watch this video or they subscribe to this blog or something like that. Cause you know, from a marketer standpoint, 
people like us do things like this, like people like us read the Moz blog or watch the White Ward Friday videos or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's definitely a line of thinking that, that makes a lot of sense. Some places that <laughs> he um, once bashed um, SEO and said, like, don't get people to search for your service, but make a product so good that they search for like the product by name. Um, and I'm like, I wish I could do that. Like, that would be amazing. But I'm, right. stu- I'm stuck, like, bottom feeding and trying to get the people who search for, like, my services because our brand isn't super strong. Well, I think it was more talking about, like, I felt like that was more geared towards paid advertising than, yeah, and he, than SEO because you're not going to, like, you and you know this, like, you're not going to outbid Cintas right. for your, you know, to do paid advertising. Like, they're at the top, like, you know, if I were to, make that same diagram or bar chart of the long tail, that long tail bar chart. And we'll take a picture of it and put it on our website when we have one. <laughs> uh, we didn't even say social cause we could actually do that. But if we said social, <laughs> we might not do it. So if we say website, there's really so no listen, commitment. You had, I'm going to tell you a secret. Um, several podcasts ago, you were like, one of the best Christmas presents would be to get the website. I think right after that conversation happened, Kyle and I had a conversation about it and we were going to do it, but we don't know the login credentials and I messaged Scott and he didn't either. So no one knows how to get into the admin of our website. <laughs> so we thought about it. Oh, nice. So if the thought genuinely counts towards the it Christmas count. present, That's nice. <laughs> Kyle and I had the, like, I, I told, I was like, yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about like a way to do it. He's like, I would, he's like, I listened to that episode too. And I had the same exact thought, like, that I could surprise you guys and he's like you know let me know if you need any help or we can work together I'm like yeah like let's do this I was like I'm gonna message Scott and see if I can get the login credentials for the website and he was like uh, his message was uh uh dot 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 and then never heard back from him again <laughs> I think I have him um the yeah I think I have him so I tried yeah. we tried oh well, that's nice but yeah no he's uh and then another thing is he was talking about like the old way of like people used to think of marketing and advertising as synonymous and I've never really um, thought about that. Advertising has always been a piece of marketing, but I could see how like in 1980s, like people were just like, yeah, we're buying TV ads and that's our marketing. Like, yeah, well, was that in the beginning of this book? Is that something else I was reading on a blog one day about like advertising, like for the longest time, like marketing wasn't a thing it was advertising like right yeah it's just you were an advertiser not a marketer yeah and now like, and so and he kind of talked about like, marketing is less about ads and more about having an awesome product and an awesome story that people genuinely love and like want to talk about and stuff like that um and building a community around your your business your product your service so it's less about like boosting that facebook post and more about having an army of people who will boost your facebook post for free you know um, which is definitely like that's the goal. Like I would love to have customers who are like every single time I share something, they're like amplifying it Listen, and like getting out there. CKP heating and cooling. Yeah, I they know. have been promoting that breast cancer awareness format. But they don't mention for in the post. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just our mat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a good. I mean, it's always like yeah, I would love. I read this book and I'm like if I had this, like, but like it's, and then I'm always like, but how do I get here? Like, you, like you've got some good evangelists. Like I was thinking like you had the chamber, you donated the floor mats for the Christmas thing. Sure. Yeah. And we're involved like, in the, and it doesn't, I'm trying to make this not so much about me and rentware and more about oh. the listeners and, and their businesses or you and your clients or just in general. But if, if the proverbial, we had, uh, like this community who is like so in love with it and he said how to get to it like you pick your niche and you make something that they love yeah i have like, a client i i right now have a client who i just started um where i work at Alderbox, we focus a lot on seo it's kind of the and and web design but seo is really like e-commerce seo is kind of the bread and butter yeah, that's it's what they the do. it's the the primary goal or uh, like core of our business but for certain clients, and if it makes sense, um, you know, obviously we'll include some additional tactics, if you will. Social so, and email. Yeah, and so I have a client who we took on, and we were doing some CRO, which, if you don't know what that is, it stands for Conversion Rate Optimization. Mm-hmm. And I gave them, like, this laundry list of, like, things that they could be doing that could help, 
you know, with their conversion rates overall. And and so, like, I had kind of audited their abandoned cart email series, um, talked about some other things, and just kind of mentioned, like, some features on their website that would make customers come back. Um, You know, like, you just go to their website. There's no, like, there's not, like, on-page banners about sales or new products. There's really, like, just here's our list of products, and that's it. So in turn, we've started doing some campaigns for them um, and then now just recently gained access to their Instagram account. Oh, nice. Um, so it's amazing. Like I've had clients before in the past who I've, you know, we've done Instagram posts for, but seeing like if I switch over to that account at any moment of the day and I like go on to their Instagram account, it's like this every single time there's at least four new like direct Shares messages. Or, oh, nice. There's, like at least five or six comments, at least depending on the like when the post was. Can we say the name of the client? Because I don't. Fun. I don't think we. I don't know. I said that we wouldn't say the names of our clients when I said. Oh, you told them that we wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I told my. So I'm sure don't... if I asked the client and said like, "Hey, I do a podcast. Can we talk about your business?" He wouldn't care at all. Right. But for the sake of when I asked, Adam I know Box, the client you're talking about, and it's so fun. Yeah, but. it's it is. It's like something that like in my lifetime of like what kind of like who's can your client? They, can we say what they sell? Yeah, sure, I guess. So they sell, like, bongs. <laughs> yes. And, like, weed-smoking glass. It's hilarious. <laughs> They're water pipes in the United States. Thank yeah, you very water, much. water pipes and rigs and all sorts of things. Yeah, um, definitely something that I'm getting to know and learn about a little bit more. Yeah. I thought, things I thought I knew, I do not know. Maybe in the spinoff, high marketing, we'll, <laughs> we'll interview yeah, them. But they have, like, looking, like, I, I was... You know, I was updating the footer of their website and they didn't have um, their social share buttons weren't working. And I was like looking to see if they had a YouTube channel and they don't. But they've got like they have tele- they have like evangelists. They have people out there who are unboxing, who they're sending product like they're doing the, the things that like influencer marketing. Yeah, stuff, they've yeah. got influencers. They've got people doing the things that we recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is they have found their niche and their niche loves them. Oh, yeah. And they love... Well, that's a good example, though, because they, they found a small, viable audience, um, like stoners of a certain age group, I'm sure, and then they made... Really... And monetary demographic, too, because it's not cheap. Well, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> affluent stoners, maybe, is their is their niche audience, which is awesome. And then they, they made products that they love. So they're like these really high-end glass pieces or, you know, whatever. They got the percolators and... I'm not going to let on that I know too much about this without <laughs> without selling wow. myself uh, selling myself as something that I might not be, um, but <laughs> but yeah. So they they made these awesome products that these people genuinely love. So like you know when they're unboxing, it's it's not just like well I'm paid to unbox this bong like whatever, but it's like genuine excitement to like unbox this bong and then smoke it for the first time or, or and, whatever so that's that's something that i think seth godin would be would be yeah. proud of and that. in this day and age i feel like we're in a time right now where like the stigma of somebody like posting a picture of them smoking a bong and like just billowing smoke coming out and like showing the pool that they got or right you know like it's 2019 like that's yeah, it. Exactly. Like, I mean, especially if, in certain states, if you're in it's Colorado, perfect, yeah, you it's perfectly okay. Or, or right. Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. in a medical card you're getting a bong. I mean, you could theoretically, I guess, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's like the preferred method of consumption for medical marijuana. I have no idea. Yeah. So another one of Seth's um, points was, you know, marketers or makers were not people who were like, you know, just doing these these ads and, and as a means to an end or something like that. We want to make th- things that help people in their lives. So even if it's just, if it's not the product, even if it's just a piece of marketing, his whole thing was like that video you make or that blog post you write should get someone to where they want to be and where you want them to be as well. So, you know, if they watch your video, it should bring them positive joy or some sort of positive emotion in the sense that, you know, maybe they want to buy your product or subscribe to your email list or, or whatever your goal is too. But it's kind of a two-way street where everybody's kind of benefiting. It's not like a one-way where like we're tricking you into like subscribing to this list and now like you're going to get hit with all this other stuff you didn't agree to or, or whatever. So that's definitely a good, um, a good notion as well. Um, but, you know, like as my, my final takeaway from this book, I'm I'm someone who is always reading about marketing, but I want 
like practical, like I did this and it got results and here's how I did it, you know? And that's, and then I'm like, Oh shoot, I'm going to go try that right now. So there wasn't a ton of that in this book and it, which is okay. Like it just, I think we talked about this before we press record, but Seth's audience is more of like the business person who's interested in marketing or like the CMO who's looking at it from like a thousand feet up yeah. rather than like you and I who are looking at it from like a tactical standpoint. I really want something to do out of this. And I'm like thinking about stuff in this well, way. Well, that's why that checklist, awesome. like, like, that, yeah. like I said, my very first point, go to page 257 go to yeah. <laughs> and rip that checklist out and just use that. Right. And then as, you're... as you keep going or like put it in a word doc with those things as headings and, you know, fill in the fill in the blanks as you keep going. Absolutely. So, but yeah, that was kind of my final takeaway is that it was a good book. Um, if you're a marketer or a business person, I would definitely put this one on your list. It was a fast read. It wasn't. Yeah, it had like, some good anecdotes. Easy, for sure. I can't believe you didn't talk about the Grateful Dead example, which oh, I wrote down, Dead, which I wanted. I told you that I, really, I know I wanted, like I you told you me that, that you told me that example. Can I do before. that one or can you? Or no, you I want, want you to do it. But I like I'm so I was waiting. I wasn't going to talk about it, but all right, we're running a little low on time. But just real quick, there was an awesome my favorite section of the book that I totally forgot about until you just brought it up. I know was the section on why the Grateful Dead is awesome is because, so it's the whole, everything that I've already talked about is they went to the edge. They found people who love li- live music. They love live jams. They love like long songs and like dancing. So they found this like really niche audience and then they just like hit it super duper hard and they, they focused on them and they didn't do... Like, like they didn't the, care about getting a billboard hit. They didn't care about hit. like a radio hit or in which they ended up getting a radio hit anyway with Touch of Grey. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, and that was like, I've thought about for a really long time in my life, because Chelsea and I both um, are, are fans of the band Fish, and I keep seeing Fish shows over and over, and I fly across the country, and I spend thousands of dollars on this band, and it's like, if you think about it practically, it's like, well, why do you see this the same band you've seen 75 other times? Why, Explaining to somebody why are you seeing them four nights York, in a row. Like, like, to do it. <laughs> but then I was like, this is why, because, like, they... I am in this like small niche and I'm in love with them and they keep creating the things that I want them to create. And, and you like, and your the, friend, like you want to buy the poster, like, you know, yeah. like not you, but like people clamoring to get in or like to land and go into the venue early to get the, the poster from the run right? or the mer- like people just waiting for the merchandise to become available. Yeah. Um, it's just like, is that to kind of like, but by they that went, memory, they went, they went to the edge, though, you know, like they found the smallest viable audience that became which they say, like, they're like, so what if it's only 5 million people? That's still only 10 percent of right, like the world or and whatever, even, and like Fish and Grateful Dead fans. It's like they travel across the country, but the same people see them in every city, whereas like Taylor Swift has a different audience in every city. But like Fish or the Grateful Dead has. 50% different audience and 50% of the same person who was in the city last night <laughs> seeing them. But that's just because they, like you said, they found that that small audience and they created and created and created something for them that's just for them. Yeah. And that's... And it's so we, personal. Like, that's a thing. we all fell in love. It's, like, a, you know. <laughs> it's such a personal experience and everybody, I don't know, people experience things in different ways and... Yeah, yeah I, th- I mean, the New Year's run was your first show since for a long time. And I think when you got when you got back into it, I could see like the look on your face. And just from like what you said to me, like you kind of fell right back in love with like the experience and the music and like the crowd and, and all yeah. of that. So I was, uh, you know, touched my heart a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. I mean, uh, I, had a, I had a great trip uh, yeah. and like looking forward to like already like the summer shows, the schedule came out and I'm like already trying to like find ways out. I can yeah. work them into like work shows into my schedule like some welcome of, like, to my life <laughs> some of, like I've got some of like my old friends like my like the OGs from back in the the original run days right talking about going to shows and like meeting up with all my friends from high school like for locations and kind of I feel like everyone's re-engaged now because I am. Yeah. <laughs> Not just, I mean, certainly like well, and people I think like it, Catherine and like, I certainly have friends who have continued to see fish like well, well past the time like, that I have. You know, but. They, fish went away and then these people, like their lives, they moved on, they got families and stuff and they're like, oh, fish is back. Like, and then Chelsea's going and they're like, Chelsea had a blast at fish. Like, wait a minute. Like, I want to do that again. I think. Yeah. <laughs> one of my best friends, my, one of my best friends ever, Jason Fowler, like I gave him my ticket codes to 
to listen to the to shows. To listen to the yeah. shows. And I, mean, I was at work one day and I was like, man, I want to listen to Night 2 again. Oh, and so I couldn't because I given him my code and you can only use it once. Oh, well, you can log into my, I pay 10 bucks a month so you can listen to whatever oh. you want. Well, I think I have, I, well, I know I have your login, so <laughs> yeah, you're I'm going to do that. All right. So what, what do we got? What do you have left on, on your list? Um, that was really, that was my last thing besides my last point was about hating metaphor. Um, so, yeah. so overall, I think I'd give this a three out of five. I mean, I'll give it a two and a half. Chelsea's going up to two and a half. Just because the metaphor and... I don't think we were the perfect audience for this book, though, is what I'll say. Yeah, and like I said earlier, like, I I personally was not, like, maybe in the mental space to be reading it in the, like, the peak times that I was reading it. I kind of powered through it. Like, I really felt like I had to power through it at the end to get it done. Just because we had this, yeah, because yeah, we had this podcast because we were going to be so. recording it. Like, I, I, I enjoy reading um for sure i am definitely a non-fiction reader um by a non-fiction or a fiction a fiction fiction Fic- reader, fiction yeah. reader. i am a fiction like reader. harry potter yeah exactly yeah so this is a little out of your comfort zone for sure yeah i mean it's not that i haven't read like i really enjoyed like non-fiction from like celebrity biographies like mindy kaling's book i loved yeah. it amy poehler's book i loved it tina yeah. Fey's book i loved it <laughs> i'm seeing a trend of nbc <laughs> stars <laughs> how can we just say powerful female um influencer star influencer who are also all on nbc <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't care what network they're on no i know but yeah that was like the office and 30 rock and uh and parks and rec too so it's kind of fun yeah that's true um, but yeah so yeah i definitely like it's it, it was out of my realm of reading and that's fine like and but it was an easy read it wasn't like, oh yeah yeah i could plow through it pretty easily but like i said i was trying to like at the time i knew that mentally we were going to talk about it so like there was just added level of pressure and yeah yeah so if you're if you're an entrepreneur if you've got a product you're thinking about mm-hmm. marketing you know if i yeah, ever new, go into market products like luber like if luber ever takes off i'm doubling back to luber did i tell you i think i told you this already but i'm going to tell our audience so my friend Jamie was taking a marketing class and part of her um, final was that she had to come up with a new product idea or concept and market it. And she used Luber. And I gave her the idea for Luber and I told her to listen to the podcast. And I was like, I laid it, the whole thing out for you. Just, <laughs> I don't know if she ever listened to the podcast, but like she probably like took the basis of what I told her and then just ran with it. And she got yeah. an A. Hell yeah. On Luber. So. All right. Good job, Jamie. <laughs> they did recommend maybe changing the name as well. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, know. no, I would I would give it a three three out of five. Chelsea gives it a two and a half out of five. I'd put it on your list. I would read some other books before that. I know that Chelsea's about to dive into Rand Fishkin's Lost and Founder, which I loved. Nope, I'm finishing Kite Runner. Damn it. Oh, okay, so she's going to finish Kite Runner, Ugh. and then, but from a marketing book perspective, she she was going to read. Um, Lost and Founder next, which I, I love. I am. I will. It's, I, I loved, I really loved that book. Genuinely connected with the author, um, Rand, on a, on a level, on a personal level. And there's a lot of good marketing advice in there, too. I just finished, which I have to recommend this book. Couldn't more highly recommend this book either. Everybody Writes by Anne Handley was an amazing book full of, like, all practical applications. That's all it was. There was no pie in the sky, like, high-level stuff. It was literally do this and your writing will be better and here's how you do it. I'm excited it. to read that one. Like that was, it was so good. And it's like also from every single different angle you can come from. And it was just really good. And I wanted, I, I don't know if I said this to you or not, but I've thought it a thousand times. Every time I finished reading a section or a couple sections, I'm like, okay, I want to now go into school the next day and have the teacher give me a worksheet. And it says, okay, she talked about this writing rule. Now here's how you like fix this in the way that like she talked about it or write your own thing. Because I need, like, a worksheet for each chapter or something. You have that. Like, go to, like, the <laughs> stuff you've written for the website. And... I know. Well, that's I, that's I need to go back through. And now that I've finished the book. And I even, she gave 10 questions to ask yourself to tell your brand story. And I sent those to a bunch of, like, the stakeholders and, like, people who have been with our company a long time. And I gave them a due date of Friday to answer. So, super practical. Like, I, I loved this book, too. And I think, it, like, everybody writes. I know our friend Darla is is reading that one as well. 
I know. Um, I'm gonna. I think we're gonna convince her to come to the podcast. I'm yeah, gonna, she, I'm gonna finish needs, reading it, and then I think she'd be a good guest. Yeah, I think she, that'd be a great book review for the three of us to do. So, so keep an eye out in the future. I, I have a couple other books that I want to read, so we might do a couple more of these, maybe with a guest or two um, down the line, if we can get Chelsea into reading some nonfiction. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna finish Kite Runner first. Damn it. Yeah. So she'll finish Kite Runner, <laughs> and then she'll move on to Lost and Founder, which I do think. Once you read that, I'd like to do an episode on that one too because I okay. really, I really did love that book. I'll tell Kyle to read that one, and then by that time, we'll circle back, and he'll be, he'll have read that like in seven other books in the time that <laughs> it took me to finish Kite Runner and read that, and then right. maybe so how much, get to what do you have left in Kite Runner? I have like a, I'm like a one quarter of the book left. Okay, so you can you can get that done in a week or yeah. so. I did want to say it's not necessarily we didn't talk about this at the beginning. It's not a correction per se, but. After listening to our last episode about my comment on virtual oh, VR reality, yeah, stores, yeah, yeah, virtual virtual VR, thank you, I can't see the Ford in stores <laughs> and being like helping brick and mortar, he had made the comment about that it's already in use or beginning to be in use in things like car dealerships, which I thought was super like. The, the point that he made was like just so succinct, which is why everybody needs a Kyle.com. <laughs> we need to get Kyle on this podcast to talk about um, anything. Really. We talked about like car dealerships where there are different features. So like obviously you can't have every single feature in a car. Right. They have what they have. And yeah. Like, if you want a different feature and they can go get it. Yeah. Or know. a different color or like anything. So like having that VR experience in a car dealership where you're more or less experiencing the walking around the car what it looks like the interior and I changing the color like, of the interior like a test drive you could hold the wheel in your hand and you can feel how it feels yeah i don't know how you do that but someone smarter than me can figure it out yeah so <laughs> so we we stand corrected and it's definitely being used um he does not think not that so it would for be like for brick and boutique and br- yeah brick not and so much for stuff. brick and mortar but for um products that are large a little bit intangible i was actually made me think about like the trade show audience like to go to a trade show Ooh, a virtual trade show would be kind of fun like where you're oh i didn't even think about a whole virtual trade show i was thinking more like if you have one product and you don't have to and bring you your have, entire like, like of an ipad you have a vr mask well i was thinking about like the like when i worked for Mellor toledo like but shortly before i left we had this um it was for like the shipping industry and it was like this giant like um like it weighed and did dimensions for boxes Hmm. so like you've got a conveyor belt you've got like this whole process of like you know it's like taking boxes down the line it's digitally like doing the full dimensions and coming out and printing the packing slip like you know it's doing the whole thing yeah no but a product like that is like kind of hard to see in you know and it's, it's expensive to ship it's fucking shit to put that you have to put it together you've got to get it to work yeah um, but to give somebody that VR experience while they're there and like they're sitting there watching that happen in what feels like real time, I just think that'd be a cool feature. So if you do trade shows, consider that piece. Just consider some VR. Invest in that VR life. And yeah, I agree. I think, get that'd your... be, I think that'd be a good good way to set yourself, uh, set your booth apart. So Yeah, I haven't been to a trade show in a really long time, so maybe somebody's <laughs> already doing that. Yeah, you never know. You don't. On that note... Uh, this is Drunk Marketing. I'm this Connor. This is Drunk, drunk. Marketing. Also, oh, this is marketing, and we could do our own thing. This is Drunk Marketing. <laughs> Seth, you want to come on our podcast? We didn't give your book great reviews, but you know we'll talk to you. Mm, your other ones are good. <laughs> this is uh, this is Drunk Marketing. I'm Connor. I'm Chelsea. Cheers. Cheers.